0: It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Serial Nightmare, a special spooky series I like to do every year just for the month of October. All of my episodes this month will have more of a spooky feel, but I promise I will definitely be adding a dash of true crime content to each What could be more spooky than one of the most famous witches of all time? Grace Sherwood, also known as the Witch of Pungo, was accused of killing livestock, bewitching married men, and transforming into animals. Grace, of course, denied being a witch, but there was pretty much no way a woman at the time could prove otherwise. Her community thought that they could make the final determination through an act known as ducking, which you'd have to survive in order to be proven innocent. But by some miracle, Grace did survive, which should have proved to everyone that she wasn't a witch after all. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be so simple. Grace was a modern-day thinking woman stuck in a backwards world, a woman who knew she was so much more than just a wife or a childbearer, which was very dangerous thinking at the time, of course. You know, you wouldn't want to... Amp someone up, motivate a woman to maybe go get a job and not need a man, perhaps? She was born in 1660 with the name Grace White to her mother Susan and her father John, who was a carpenter. They grew up in now what is called Virginia Beach, but back then it was known as Princess Anne County. The family was fairly well-educated for the time. Her father could read and write, and the family would have been considered middle class. Of course, we have no photos of Grace, and it doesn't appear that there were any sort of realistic paintings or drawings done of her, but she's always been described in writing as being tall and very beautiful. She would have caught the eye of many, not only for her beauty, but because she was dressed very differently than what was considered acceptable for a young lady, swapping those elegant dresses for trousers, which were more practical for her to be working on the farm. In 1680... Grace married a man by the name of James Sherwood. He was a poor but respected farmer who didn't have many worldly possessions and he didn't own any land, but Grace was in love. Luckily, John White, Grace's father, decided to give the couple 50 acres of land when they married, which they used to build a farm and to create a sustainable life together. Grace and James worked on the land and the farm together, with James taking on the more difficult manual labor and Grace feeding the livestock, as well as growing her own herbs. Grace actually had quite a passion for growing herbs and using them not only in cooking, but for healing both human and animal ailments. In addition to working on the farm, she also worked as a midwife, helping women through their pregnancies and deliveries and using herbs in her practice. This is just one part of Grace's life that would later get her in trouble. Grace and James had three sons together, John, James, and Richard, and while it took a lot of hard work and labor, the family had a comfortable life together in the rural community of Pungo. Until people started talking and whispering about Grace and her odd behavior. Even in her non-form-fitting men's clothing, it's said that she caught the eye of many husbands. The wives couldn't understand it. Grace was clearly a beautiful woman, but she put no effort into her looks, and somehow that puzzled them. That's when rumors began to spread that Grace must have put a spell on these men, enchanting them with a wandering eye. It couldn't possibly be because Grace was a natural beauty, and maybe the men were intrigued with her defiance of societal beauty standards. It must be witchcraft. Using herbs to treat ailments like we do now in modern medicine? Nope, must be witchcraft. These are just a few examples of things that may have started the gossip. But before we get into the actual accusations that were thrown at Grace, I think it's important to talk about what the mood was like in Virginia at the time and across the rest of the country. Over on the east side of the U.S., there was mass hysteria surrounding witchcraft, which was seen as the work of the devil. The Salem witch trials would begin in February of 1692, several years before Grace would have had her trial in Virginia. Now, in New England, the root of this fear of witches was religious. This is where the Puritans had settled, and they were against anything that they thought defied their religious beliefs. Ministers also acted as judges in these trials. Anyone could be accused of being a witch. No one was safe. And when an apparent witch was put on trial in New England, it was on the person accused to prove that they were not a witch. As if that's an easy thing to do. Like, how do you prove you're not a witch? Well, through ridiculous tests and barbaric torture, of course. One example of an absolutely meaningless test carried out in New England was the prayer test. The person on trial would be asked to recite passages from the Bible. If they couldn't, or if they made a mistake in reading it, they were found to be guilty. Many people were illiterate at the time, and they never stood a chance against a test like this. Those who could read would, of course, be incredibly nervous at the idea of making a simple mistake, so they might stutter, miss a word, or pronounce something incorrectly. And that would mean they too would also be found guilty. Even if you did read the passage perfectly, it didn't mean that you passed the test. One man accused of witchcraft during the Salem witch trials was able to read the passage in the Bible without any errors, and they still found him guilty and they executed him because they said it must have been a devil's trick. It was absolute mayhem. Now, the idea of prosecuting people for witchcraft in Virginia was a bit different. Ministers weren't involved in trials. The courts took care of everything. And the courts were reluctant to even entertain the idea of having witch trials. They were rare, but they did happen. Unlike in New England, where the person accused of being a witch had to prove that they weren't, Virginia courts required the person making the accusations to prove their case. Evidence was also treated differently. In New England, anything and everything could be used as evidence. However, in Virginia, the courts preferred physical evidence, things that they could see with the eye. It was still absolutely silly, but they would look for physical marks called devil's marks on the person's body. This could include freckles, moles, red hair, birthmarks, a rash, scars, or even just being left-handed. So clearly, again, anyone really could be labeled as a witch. We almost all have at least one of these things on our bodies. It was just a way to justify using people as scapegoats for others' bad luck or to get rid of them if they had any issues with them. In Virginia, this would be people that may have been seen as outcasts, widows, loners, or even if you just had a neighbor that you didn't get along with or maybe had an argument with. If someone was convicted of witchcraft in Virginia, they weren't burnt at the stake, but they were thrown in jail instead, so I guess you could see this as a plus. So, now that we have a little background on the differences, let's talk about the first time that Grace would be accused of and put on trial for witchcraft, which would happen many times throughout her life. In 1697, Grace's neighbor, Richard Caps accused her of witchcraft causing the death of his bull. Of course, he had no proof that Grace had any hand in his bull dying, and so the case was dismissed with no decision made. Grace and her husband James actually decided to stand up for themselves, and they sued Richard with slander. Their slander case was resolved by a settlement, and this kind of began a cycle of Grace being charged with witchcraft, not enough evidence being presented to support the charge, and the case getting dismissed. Then, Grace files a defamation lawsuit in return, and it's settled or dismissed, rinse, and repeat. The next accusation of witchcraft came in 1698 by another neighbor, this time a man named John Gisborne. He accused Grace of enchanting his pigs and cotton crop. This case was also dismissed in court, and again, Grace sued for defamation, although her case failed this time. Next, a woman named Elizabeth Barn claimed that Grace had turned herself into a black cat, then had somehow snuck into the woman's room in the middle of the night and whipped her. Then she exited the bedroom by jumping through the keyhole of the door. Again, with accusations so clearly outrageous, this case was dismissed. Grace again attempted to sue for defamation, and again, surprisingly, the suit failed, which meant that Grace had to pay for all of her court costs. The Sherwoods weren't a wealthy family by any means. They were getting by with the farm, but they didn't have money for all of these court costs. Grace's reputation in the town was absolutely destroyed at this point. It seemed that people were working together to build their case of witchcraft against her, trying to see what they could get to stick. The tension in town was really thick. In 1701, Grace's husband, James, died, and all of the property and the farm was passed over to Grace. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough, especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in True Accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right, 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. She would never remarry, and the accusations of witchcraft and devil-worshipping really began to ramp up. It's believed that her neighbors wanted to put her in jail and get her land, so there seemed to be an orchestrated attempt to try and prove that Grace was a witch. In 1705, Grace was physically attacked during an altercation with a woman named Elizabeth Hill and her husband. She took the couple to court, and she sued them both for assault and battery. She won. She won a small amount of money for her injuries, 20 shillings, which today, it's only about 180 US dollars, much less than what she was suing for. Either way, the Hills were not happy to have to pay Grace anything, and this is when things really went south. Almost immediately after the assault and battery case was settled, Elizabeth accused Grace of causing her to have a miscarriage by way of witchcraft. She claimed that Grace had put a curse on her that made her lose her baby. In February of 1706, a court hearing was held, and this time, they seemed to take the accusations much more seriously, likely because there was a human life loss this time. They set up a panel of 12 locals who would look for devil marks on Grace's body. You know, the ones I mentioned before. Simple things like freckles, scratches, bruises, rashes, birthmarks. Any sort of mark at all that they could claim to be a sign. And who happened to be on that panel of people? Well, none other than Elizabeth Barnes. The woman who had accused Grace of turning into a black cat and assaulting her in her bedroom a couple years prior. I don't know how this wasn't seen as a conflict of interest. Maybe she was, I don't know, one of the only people in town who was available that day, but kind of seems like not a fair and just thing. The panel decided that they had found two marks on Grace's body that they believed to be an indication of her deal with the devil. But to prove this with certainty, it was decided that she would need to be ducked. Ducking was a test that would be used to determine whether or not an accused individual was in fact a witch. And the whole process is a nightmare in itself. The accused would have their hands and feet tied. They would be placed in a sack before being dumped into a body of water. Water was seen as pure, so if the person floated in the water, it was believed that they were a witch because the water was trying to expel evil from their body. Now, if the person sank, they were believed to be innocent and not a witch. And hopefully, they lived to be free of their conviction. But oftentimes, the accused would drown. So yes, not a witch, but they lost their life anyway. As a consolation prize, they would be allowed to be buried in holy ground. I mean, great. On July 10th, 1706, it was time for Grace to be ducked. Grace had actually consented to having this test done because she was just sick and tired of having her name tarnished and being dragged in and out of court. So she was taken to the Lynnhaven River, which is actually known as the Witch Duck Point today. And that is going on my bucket list of places that I must visit. A large crowd was gathered around to see whether Grace would be proven to be a witch or not. They were all fully invested in this process because they had all heard the rumors over the years. The bewitching animal transformations, the herb growing, the potion making, the animal sacrifice. Was it all real? Today they would find out. Grace's naked body was carefully examined to ensure that she wasn't hiding anything that she might use to free herself in the water. Then Grace was tied up, crossbound actually, meaning she had her left thumb bound to her right toe and vice versa. Grace reportedly said, Before this day be through, you will all get a worse ducking than I. Then they rode her out 200 meters from the shoreline and she was tossed into the water as the crowd watched intently. After a minute or so, Grace emerged from the surface of the water. She had somehow miraculously untied herself and she swam up for air. The judges weren't really sure what to make of this result. They hadn't expected her to be able to untie herself. So they retied her and the local sheriff decided that he would tie a 13-pound Bible to her neck to try and help her sink. Then they threw her into the water again. And again... Grace somehow escaped her bindings and swam to the surface. Now, there are several different versions of events, of course, as the story has been told over and over again for hundreds of years. But it's said that when she crested the surface of the water this second time, the beautiful, sunny blue sky above suddenly turned a dark gray, and there was a downpour of rain. This time, the judges decided that this must be an indication of her evil spirit. And so, she was found guilty of being a witch. Now, unlike in New England, witchcraft was not punishable by death in Virginia. So, Grace was sent to prison where she spent seven years behind bars for her crime. I guess you could say that she was lucky to be spared from being burnt at the stake. But still, seven years of her life were taken from her. In 1714, Grace was released from jail, and after paying back taxes on her property, her farms were legally returned to her. She was only one of five female landowners in all of Virginia at the time. She would live her life peacefully on her farm, tending her garden, growing her herbs, and feeding her animals until she died at the age of 80 years old. One legend says that her son placed her body by the chimney and suddenly a brisk wind came down through the chimney and whisked her away into the ashes. All that remained in its place was a hoof print in the ashes left by the coals. That's just a story, of course, and if her body did remain, it is said that Grace is buried in an unmarked grave under some trees in Virginia Beach. After her death... The stories, whispers, and rumors continued. Anytime there was a particularly harsh storm, many would point to Grace Sherwood as the source, enacting her revenge on the town. Some people still believed that Grace would come back from the dead and transform into a black cat, lingering around, spying on the town, and causing havoc however she could. This rumor gained so much traction that there was actually an issue of people killing any black cat they came across, or even any cat at all. It was so bad that there was a huge infestation of mice and rats recorded in the area, so I guess that's karma just doing her thing. The home that Grace lived in on her farm on Muddy Creek remained standing for over 200 years, even though it was frequently vandalized and even set on fire. In 2002, what remained of the home was bulldozed, although it's said that there are still a few bricks and pieces of foundation left behind amidst overgrown grass and brush. Grace Sherwood was Virginia's only convicted witch tried by water, and she is still known to this day as the infamous Witch of Pungo. And while the rumors still fly about what kind of witchy things Grace may have done then or now, Governor Tim Kaine exonerated Grace Sherwood's name on July 10, 2006, on the 300th anniversary of her trial by water. She is officially an innocent woman, pardoned of all of her witchcraft charges. There's also a statue of Grace that sits in the area of Witch Duck Road, outside of a hospital where the courthouse and the ducking took place hundreds of years ago. It sits as a tribute to who she really was. The statue depicts Grace with a basket of rosemary because of her healing with herbs, and a raccoon at her feet because she loved animals. Was Grace a witch, or was she just a woman way ahead of her time? I don't know, you tell me. If you're in the area, there are so many places that are still named after Grace and what happened to her. Witch Duck Road, Witch Duck Bay, Witch Duck Point, Witch Point Trail, and Sherwood Lane, to name a few. And of course, you'll often hear ghost stories of how Grace haunts many of these locations still to this day. One tale says that Grace returns to visit her ducking spot every July. Her spirit is often seen as a glowing ball of light dancing on Witch Duck Bay. It's also said that Grace haunts a building called the Fairy Plantation House, which was where Grace's trial was held. The building dates back to the early 1600s and has a very rich and spooky history. It was used as a school, a post office, a courthouse, and today... A museum. It's also rumored that the unmarked grave of Grace Sherwood is actually on this property, and visitors to the museum have reported seeing Grace wandering the halls. Virginia is said to be one of the most haunted states in the country. If anyone lives in Virginia Beach, I'd love to hear if you've been to any of these locations or if you've heard any of these stories. Maybe you've even experienced something like this yourself. That's it for tonight's serial nightmare story. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Until next time, sleep tight and don't look under the bed. Bye.